Did I ever tell you about the time one summer when we had uh, four patients come in for a semen analysis because their wives were pregnant, but they'd all had vasectomies? No. Yeah. Welcome to It's Not Human Sexuality, the show that goes beyond sexuality to reproductive health. Understanding the foundations of reproductive health allows you and the ones you love to make better decisions about your health, mind, and relationships. This podcast is co-hosted by Dr. Betsy Cairo, or Dr. B, and Mandy Johnson. Dr. B has her doctorate in human reproduction and is a board-certified reproductive biologist. She is also a certified sexuality educator with supervisory standing and over 20 years experience teaching at the graduate and undergraduate level. She is the owner of the only commercial cryobank in Colorado and is the executive director of the nonprofit Look Both Ways. Her nonprofit specializes in reproductive health education. Mandy Johnson is a high school family and consumer science teacher with more than 15 years experience and a master's degree in education. She is also a certified sexuality educator and is treasurer on the board of Look Both Ways. The two have been friends for many years and are passionate about changing the way we educate our youth about their reproductive health. Since 2018, Mandy has collected anonymous questions from high school students in her class called Teen Choices. Every class period, the students must ask their anonymous question by writing it on a sticky note and dropping it into a box. Today, Mandy has collected more than 500 questions. On this episode, our experts, Dr. Betsy Cairo and Mandy Johnson, will answer some of these questions for you. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Ready to answer some more questions, Betsy? I am. I believe our first question on the list today isn't quite a question. It's a statement. Yeah. But it but it has an answer. And so the statement says, I don't believe there's more than two genders. Mm. So that's interesting. And it's kind of a hard, a hard one to answer because growing up, you know, when we were, we always thought of gender as male or female, mm-hmm. right? And even though there's argument around this, sex is rooted in biology, and we're talking basic, right? XX, female, XY, male, yes. et cetera. And then we grow up and we say, well, XX should be the gender of female, and XY should be the gender of male. And so this is where that binary, that gender binary comes from. And I think if people don't believe in more than two genders, they're certainly entitled to feel that way. But I think it's important for people to try to see that gender is a social construct and that we put gender on things that don't have gender. Like toys and clothes and, and color and jobs. Yes. <laughs> and paychecks. Oh. <laughs> and then we also have, you know, like it's interesting how we use gender specific words to mean certain things like and gender roles, right? Yeah. Like you stay, you know, some she takes care of the kitchen he takes care of the yard that kind of thing and then and then not only do we get into the gender stereotypical roles and we get into the dynamic of heterosexism and you know only male and female kind of thing so i don't i think it's perfectly okay if somebody doesn't believe that there's more than two genders but it makes their world really small it does make their world really small and it's you know it gender like you said it's a social construct so it's quote unquote made up in our heads yeah um completely made up in our heads and 
you know, we mean, I know you and I have had the conversation. Both of us were tomboys growing up. Yep. And so, you know, what does it really mean to we could go deep into this, but yeah, I think we've explored this in another episode. We have. Bit, and and so. that's a good thing to remind our listeners that you can go back and listen to these conversations in greater depth of how we explain it more academically. Yes. But again, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Let's just not set federal policy on it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so how do you know if you have an STDE? Sexually transmitted disease. They all are also referred to as STIs or sexually transmitted infections. How do you know if you have one? Get tested. <laughs> that was so great. I don't mean tested. to laugh at that, no. but I mean, it was just, come on, that was it's, awesome. Right? That's all you can. I mean, most STIs and STDs have uh, are asymptomatic. And I love the one thing that I love about COVID is that people now understand that word without me having to explain <laughs> it. Um but most STIs are asymptomatic, so you are not going to know you have it. And a lot of them have a, a dormant period from the time you get it until you see symptoms anyway, if you're going to get symptoms. And so you could have it for a good two, three months before you see any symptoms. Get tested. Get tested before you get a new partner. Get tested while you're with that partner. While you're with that partner. Get tested at least once a year if you're sexually active. Get tested. All of, yeah. That's yep. the only way to know. Yeah. You have to decide if you want to be part of the problem or part of the solution, yes. you know, so get yourself tested. And there are a lot of organizations out there that run campaigns on that and have greatly reduced fees for getting tested. And there are places you can get them for free. Exactly. And if you have a vulva and a vagina, you can assume you should at least go see a doctor. I'm not telling you have an STD, but you should at least go see a doctor if your discharge is different than normal, but especially yeah. if it's chunky, if it's, it's cottage cheese-ish white, if it has an green, odor, frothy. if it's itchy, if it's green. Frothy. Yeah. If yeah. it's not itchy. normal, yeah. go see a doctor. If there's too much of it, go see a doctor. Like these are things that could be signs of STDs, but they could also just be signs of like a yeast infection, yeah, which is an infection of the vagina that's not necessarily spread Sorry. through sex. Right. And if you have a penis... Uh, nothing should come out of that except semen and urine. So if anything comes out of your penis that is not semen or urine, go see a doctor. Those are, I mean. Or if you have lumps and bumps. Or if, yes, absolutely. Vulva or penis, if you've got lumps and bumps that and didn't testicles. used to exist. I always tell people with a vulva, it's important to look at it in a yeah. mirror and know what it looks like because you could have a skin tag down there. Yeah. That, that's always been there. You could have a mole. Um, it's just skin. So you could have any number of skin things down there that are perfectly norma normal for your vulva. But if you don't know that ahead of time, you could get really scared the first time somebody says, what is that? I, like, I don't know. I know. And then but people are afraid <laughs> to go to the doctor because they don't want the answer. But yet and they live in fear and distress, not knowing the answer. It's mm -hmm. a horrible place to be. It is. And so there's no shame in that. You should go see a, a, a healthcare provider and have a conversation with them because they're not going to shame you. And if they do go see somebody else and hopefully they don't yeah. and ask all the questions, get all the information. Education is power. Education is power. All right. So how long after getting a vasectomy or tubal ligation can you have sex? Well, those are two different surgeries. So they have two different answers. They do vasectomy has a healing it's an outpatient surgery it has a healing time of about three to five days 
for the physical symptoms, but for the the internal sutures and things, it can be longer. How long do they recommend? Well, before you ejaculate mm -hmm. again, some doctors will say seven days, maybe seven to 10. But obviously, you don't want to rupture those stitches or anything. Or you may not even feel up to it by then. Yeah. With a tubal ligation, because that's surgery, and uh, you might it might be two weeks, yeah. maybe. And and it depends on how the surgical site heals, how mm -hmm. you're feeling about sex. But the, yeah, you know that. Yeah. So that could be longer based on that. But physically, yep. in the vagina, yeah. Two, about but two yeah, to three weeks or something. But don't forget. If you've had a vasectomy, there's still sperm in the vas deferens left behind. So you still have to use some form of birth control until you get a repeat semen analysis that shows that you have zero sperm in the ejaculate. Yeah. So I, I tell I, what I tell my students is you just got to keep getting tested until there's no swimmers. There you go. But have until until you see until you see that a vasectomy is not effective, where a tubal ligation is effective the minute they sew you up. It's a done deal, but you're surgicized in a real, real, real way. Like they have to go through your entire abdominal uh, wall to get to your ovaries to, to cut them and tie them. So it's it's a pretty big deal surgery that can take six to eight weeks to recover from surgically wise. So, you know, it just be good to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. But um, did I ever tell you about the time one summer when we had uh, four patients come in for a semen analysis because their wives were pregnant, but they'd all had vasectomies? No. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, they're thinking, what up? You know, did my wife step off the fidelity wagon? Yeah. And every single one of them had sperm in their ejaculate and they'd had a vasectomy, right? And so we said, well, did you go back for your checkups to have repeat semen analysis until your accounts were zero well no and we just decided we just thought once we had our tubes tied you know the vasectomy yeah. that we would be sterile but you're not you are not you are not so all four of them can you believe that that's impressive <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I you know you hear these stories all the time i got pregnant two weeks after my husband's vasectomy well yes that's because why it's it doesn't work that fast. Yeah. <laughs> Those tubes aren't like a toilet. They don't flush and it's gone. It's not like that. Yes. And yeah. science terms for, for people who don't know what a vasectomy and a tubal ligation are. Tubal ligation is commonly referred to as getting your tubes tied. And it's mm -hmm. where the doctors go in and they literally cut the fallopian tubes so that eggs cannot pass from the ovary into the uterus anymore so that they cannot get fertilized for a pregnancy. And in a vasectomy... They cut the the same travel tubes. It's just called something different. Um, they're called the vas deferens, and they they cut the vas deferens so the sperm are produced in the testicle, but they can't go anywhere. They just they just the bridge can't is go out. Anywhere. The bridge is broken, so they just hang out in the testicle until they die. And you know, ejaculation still occurs after vasectomy because semen still comes out even when there are no swimmers in it. Right. There's no sperm. So because semen's a catch-all term for seminal fluid plus sperm cells. Yes. Like a lot of my follow-up question is, how is that different than a hysterectomy? Well, a hysterectomy is a removal of all the uh, female reproductive organs. So you have the removal of the uterus, the fallopian tubes, and the ovaries. That's a complete hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. Or you can just have the... Uh, Partial uh, hysterectomy. Yep, you can have partial, which is just the uterus and the fallopian tubes and the ovaries are left so that uh, that person still has circulating hormones so they don't go into menopause. But those can be done vaginally, mm -hmm. which is interesting, or they can be done abdominally. And of course, a vaginal 
hysterectomy, the recovery time is much quicker. Yes. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and TMI share that I got a hysterectomy done. It was the one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Me too. Uh, but it was a rough recovery. Yep. It me was too. a real rough recovery. <laughs> and I thought the tubal ligation was a rough recovery when I had that done, but that was nothing compared to the hysterectomy. I know. I, yeah. I was pretty surprised at the difference. <laughs> I even warned you. I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're just a sports model. Yep. Yeah, right here. No longer the SUV. Mm-mm. We're not mm. carrying stuff around. We're just... Or the sports model. I like it. So the next question we've got is, does pulling out work? No. <laughs> next question. <laughs> uh, no, pulling out does not work. It's it's not effective because there's pre-ejaculate or commonly known as pre-cum uh-huh. that can have sperm in it and it can impregnate a female. That's just the truth. And... Not everybody can time their orgasm. They might think they they have time and they don't. Yes. Or they think they've pulled out and they haven't. Or they've pulled out and they ejaculate on the outside of the body, which also is not, Do has it. a risk of a lot of things. So, no. Yeah. Let's go no back to the original the answer. answer. No. So, don't do that. Yeah, I mean... Pulling out isn't a bad practice, but it shouldn't be the only practice. If that should not be anybody's only form of birth control, that shouldn't be what you're using to help protect yourself. If if pulling out is something that somebody wants to do just for their own level of comfort, I actually have met one or two guys who say they'll never ejaculate in a female because they're just too scared. I'm like, you know, that's, dude, you do you. Sure. But But it should not be like that shouldn't be an excuse to not use condoms. I mean that yeah. or or yeah. other forms of birth control it just you know there's there's no real good reason to pull out and well it's I just mean, not, not it's just not oh my gosh there's so many things that could go wrong you could have premature ejaculation you didn't expect it right and mm-hmm. it just it just happened yeah. yeah i don't know you know it's yeah. it's just not a good form of birth control it is not a good form of birth no. control and i i hesitate to even say this for fear of what it puts in people's minds but you know you didn't do anything else. You've got no other thing. You made a decision to have unprotected sex. A last resort, maybe, but it's yeah. not a great last yeah. resort. Yeah. It's it's a 50% chance last resort. So I'm probably even higher. You know. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's better than not. It's it's better than not if you have nothing else, but it it's just not a great form of birth control yeah. on its own. It's like that answer. How was that? And you're like, it wasn't bad. You know, you're like, well, does that mean it wasn't good or right. was it bad? So it's better than not if there's no other birth control happening. Yes. But but plan I ahead and use a different birth control. Yeah, there you go. Have a condom. This podcast was created to promote Look Both Ways and the textbook written by me, Dr. Cairo. Look Both Ways is a nonprofit organization based in Loveland, Colorado, with the mission to educate our youth about their reproductive health to make informed decisions for their future. We do this by educating the educators through professional development, and we also put on free conferences for both teens and parents of teens and preteens. Textbooks used in schools are donated by Look Both Ways to eliminate the money obstacle for schools piloting or adopting our curriculum and textbook. As a nonprofit, we are always fundraising and accepting donations. For more information about Look Both Ways, our fundraising efforts, or to make a donation, please visit us at lookbothways.us. That's L-O-O-K-B-O-T-H-W-A-Y-S.us. This is Dr. B. 
and Mandy Johnson wishing you well. Be sure to catch all of our episodes of It's Not Human Sexuality on Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're even on iHeartRadio. This podcast was produced by Peach Islander Productions. 